0: All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have John Barrico, who is a journalist, stand-up comic, janitor, theater performer, electronics technician, small business consultant, public affairs specialist, disco dance instructor, and the founder of Share Your Fire. John, how you doing?
1: I'm doing outstanding. Thank you so much, Kimmy. I'm not all of those things anymore. Those are things that I've done. So kind of things that led up to not really knowing what I wanted to do in life and ultimately came here. <laughs> there we go.
0: Well, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're on this show.
1: I'm so happy to be here. It's it's the show and the theme of the show and the concept of the show just was very appealing to me. So I was so glad when you reached out.
0: Thank you. There we go. And we like to jump right in. So if you start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. (laughs) Well, one of the things, if you couldn't tell already, is I love to
1: laugh. I love people. I love meeting people. I like traveling and getting to know people, thus the map behind me, uh, places around the world that I like to go to. I'm an avid reader, but I'm really a fan of old monster movies. And I like collecting old monster movie memorabilia, which sounds kind of weird, but I'll explain that, you know, probably as we go along. So my my hobby and one of the passions that I have is actually to building and painting monster models.
0: Building and painting monster models.
1: Monster models. You know, like people will build, you know, airplane models and car models and stuff. I build monster models. So the classic movie monsters and all that kind of stuff.
0: Is it like out of Legos or is it out of something else?
1: No, no, they're plastic kits that you would buy in a store. Actually, have have evolved to those resin kits that used to call garage kits. Right? There's some really cool artist uh, that will do a sculpture of the Wolfman or Frankenstein or something and do it in his in his in his garage. That's why they call them garage kits. And they would uh, then uh, once they have the sculpture, they would make a mold, and then they would make resin copies of it and sell those copies as resin model kits. Um, so, yeah.
0: There we go. That's awesome. If I would have, <laughs>
1: if I would have thought it would have, would have brought one up to show you on on camera. But
0: <laughs> no, all good. I didn't even know that was a thing. So it's cool that you shared that with me. And
1: hype. Yeah, yeah. I like to make you know dioramas that represent scenes out of the old classic monster movies.
0: I gotcha. Is it like uh, very involved to build it, or is it like put a couple pieces together and you're good to go?
1: You know, there, it's a combination. Some of them are pretty easy, but there's a lot of them that get much more involved. And I, I just add to it as well. I like to build whole dioramas around it. So, you know, I'll add scenery and
0: other yep, factors it to it. I got you. Yeah, it,
1: it gets, you know, it's my artistic Jones, right? I get to sit there and focus on something that I get to create. And that that creative mode is what, it's kind of my, my therapy. mm when i was younger i used to like to draw and uh and over the years i've evolved from drawing to building and painting models
0: awesome yeah i was never a good artist as a kid would love to were you also drawing old monsters back then or were you drawing other stuff
1: no, actually, um, I didn't start getting into drawing monsters until later when I was a kid. I would draw mostly uh, animals, wildlife, and uh, comic book characters. So uh, I would misbehave sometimes on purpose so I could be sent to my room. And if I was sent to my room, I didn't have chores and other things to do. So I would sit there, pull out you know, comic books and, and a sketch pad and my colored pencils, and I would just draw the comic book characters.
0: <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> what, a, what a thing to find out as a kid. I can do what I enjoy if I just misbehave a little bit and get some alone time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, awesome. So love to laugh, love to meet people and travel, love to read. You love the old monster movies and building out the kind of scenery around the sculptures that you'll create. Yeah. Let me explain just real briefly about why monster movies are so cool for me.
1: I was an undersized kid. I was a very small child. I was five foot three, weighed 110 pounds when I graduated college at uh, high school at 18 years old. So I was a little kid who was picked on by bullies all the time. And I found my solace. You know, I'm sure I'd read comic books and I was like, oh man, if I only had a superpower, wouldn't that be cool? Right. But, you know, I knew that wasn't really, really going to happen. But I noticed that in the monster movies, the little guy, no matter how little he was and no matter how big and bad the monster was, the little guy could still win. So my mm-hmm. inspiration uh for survival was, you know, learning from the monster movies about how the little guy could actually come out on top.
0: That's really cool. I never noticed that about the
1: monster movies, actually. Oh, uh, if you think about it, yeah, I mean, you know, your big sure. old Godzilla comes through, right? And he gets defeated by, you know, normal sized people. Uh uh-huh. you know. And that goes back to You know, all of the old classic monster movies, you know, they would get uh so if you think about it, the fear that is generated by monsters really is about kind of the fact that they're they're misunderstood and that you don't understand them and and they're fearful because they're usually attacking in the darkness, right? So what people would do was they would turn on lights, start a fire, light a torch to illuminate the area and then keep the monsters away or chase them away. And so, uh, you know, I was so inspired by that. I just decided I wanted to be that torch for other people so that they could chase their monsters away,
0: just like I was trying to do. Hmm. It sounds like you're getting into the share your fire part of stuff. (laughs) That's actually, yeah, I'm kind of leading right into
1: that. Uh, I didn't intend to go there, but uh, but yeah, that's it's so true. Uh, that's that's how
0: kind of how I got into that whole share your fire thing I gotcha. and so what's your motivation behind share your fire what really gets you up and keeps you going every day
1: Uh, really it's exactly what I said it is all about helping people uh, to find their motivational fire and to chase their monsters away to illuminate their darkness and to to help them see the light Uh, and that sometimes that light is inside their own selves and they don't even know it's there and so, so that's my my goal and my purpose with with share your fire, and that's that's what keeps me going. I understand how people feel when they're the underdog, when they feel lost, when they have that um, imposter syndrome thing going on, right? Where they don't feel like they're good enough. And so, I, I've been through all of that, and so I like to try to help people to kind of fight their way out of that, and to yeah. become just just better at what they do, better uh feeling better about their own selves and then expanding that to helping people to learn to treat other people better and to become better leaders better communicators and so that ultimately if everybody in society starts treating people better and you know then you don't have the bullies anymore
0: yeah 100 percent and so Have you been finding that your own monsters or other people's monsters are more internal or external or both?
1: They're really both. And most of the time you find that the external monsters are only really as evil as they are because of the way we decide to respond to them. Mm. So, I mean, yes, there's, there's some true evil out there There there's some just some bad folks out there there absolutely are but at the same time we have choices into how we react and how we uh, we allow them to impact us and so if you've got an external monster you know we work to try to help to figure out how you're going to respond to that monster or how you're going to react to it and what you're going to let them get away with and if it's an, your own internal monster, then we work on defeating that internally as well, right? We find those ways to to ban that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Find our I, own strengths.
0: Absolutely. And so what what are some of those ways, some of the typical ways? Is it acknowledgement? Is it forgiveness? Is it love? Is it practical action? Yes,
1: yes, yes, and yes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's absolutely all of those things. Uh, you know, it's very hard it's easy for somebody who's not living in a situation to sit there and say, "Okay, turn the other cheek, walk away, forgive, whatever, Step away from this. The whole idea is to to help people to find that way in their own situation. Let them examine all of those options and find the the bravery to take those steps and move to that next level, whatever
0: that is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Tell us about your vision for Share Your Fire. How many people do you see yourself reaching? Um, you know, just vision for your Share Your Fire, vision for your life.
1: <laughs> Man, I, I I wish I could just take the whole world and wrap them up in a great big blanket and give them a warm fuzzy so we just stop having all of this. Uh... There's so much hatred that has just started to I mean, it's, it's always been there under the surface, but It's really bubbled up more in recent years, and I I don't really understand why and how we've let this happen in society, but I think it's really time that um, we take a really close look at ourselves and understand the way our behaviors are impacting other people and what the true benefit uh, you may think is there, uh, and is not. Um, My whole, I, I would love to say I'd like to reach the entire world. Yeah. Okay, is that realistic? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, But but, you know, just like this, the starfish on the beach thing. Have you heard that uh, uh, that analogy before? I've not. Uh, Oh, okay. So uh, I'll tell you the parable really quick. So there's a little boy on the beach and there are thousands of starfish that have washed up on the beach. And this little boy is walking down the beach and picking up one starfish at a time, tossing it back into the sea. As, you know, the rest of them are all out there drying out in the sun. So he's quickly, you know, going and picking them up one at a time and throwing them into the sea. So an old man sees him doing this and walks up and says, you know, little boy, why are you doing this? You can't possibly, look, there's thousands them here. You can't possibly help them all. You can't possibly make a difference. And the kid thinks about it for a moment, reaches down, picks up one of those starfish and tosses it back in the sea and says, I made a difference for that one. Mm. Yeah. so that's the that's the basis of the parallel uh, of the parable right you can you can you can help where you can but that parable actually expands there's more to it and most people don't don't read beyond that that first you know that first eye-opening line right made a difference for that one because what happens is the old man is watching this kid so determinedly pissing picking up and and tossing the starfish back in the sea so he starts to pick them up and toss them back in the sea and other people notice this behavior, and they come and start helping to toss the starfish back into the sea. And ultimately, the starfish all wind up back in the sea. And so one person can inspire that positive action and that positive motivation in others. I want to be that one person that starts that and spreads that feeling. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I make... A difference for one and somebody else sees me do that and so they help make a difference for one and they help make a difference for one and it just keeps going like that so if i can be that catalyst that's where i want to be
0: i love it i love it big you dreams have... i know hey what's the point in dreaming if they're not big <laughs> that absolutely yeah don't limit yourself in your dreams come on yeah now.
1: yeah <laughs> if your dreams don't if your dreams don't scare you they're not big enough
0: yeah um Any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about?
1: Uh, you know, I would say that I love, as I've told you, I love meeting people. I love meeting people from around the world. I like to understand them and their cultures, um, you can't see me now, but I'm no longer the skinny little kid I was. I'm now a double X Adonis. And that's because I have love food. So I love to travel and sample foods around the world. So, I mean, I would love my bucket list thing. It was kind of like, you know, do a world cruise and, and get to meet people around the world. My ultimate goal is to take my, my motivational teachings and take those with me around the world. Mm. And a like keynote speaker format yeah absolutely absolutely um that's mostly what i do is keynote speaking in workshops although in recent years i've started picking up more one-on-one coaches the uh, coaching uh clients but you know and it 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 sounds like um I'm, I'm all about work and that's not true um you know i i happen to be extremely fortunate i've got a a, a, a very loving wife uh we've got you know a, a small but comfortable home we've got you know wonderful wonderful friends and family and that's really all i need i don't need more stuff i don't need more monster models i don't have time to build the ones i bought already right <laughs> um so but there, but but what i really do enjoy is being able to interact with other people i thrive on that you know being the little kid that i was that was picked on by the bullies. I was an extrovert that was forced to be in an introvert's body because every time I drew attention to myself, I just got picked on and beat up. But I was this extrovert that was just dying to come out. And so I've really thrived, you know, since I've, I've, I've kind of found my own confidence, I've really thrived on the ability to interact with other people. And I just love meeting people from around the world, which is why I love to travel so much. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I put a little work element in there. Because I know that every interaction that I have with another person could have a positive impact.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I also know that without even realizing it, every interaction I have with another person might have a negative uh, impact. Yeah, you know, there's there's an old uh, proverb that says if you live long enough, everything will happen to you, which kind of sounds like a sucky reason to stick around too long, right? But (laughs) but if you think about it. Um, You know, at some point in life, you're going to do well, you're not going to do well, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be sick, you're going to be, you know, hungry, you're going to be full, you're going to be maybe the hero in somebody's story. Maybe you'll be the victim in a story. And maybe you might be the villain in someone else's story without even realizing it, without even intentionally doing it. And so... You know, the whole concept is just try to be more compassionate and understanding with each other. And that's what I try to do as I go through life. One of the things I want to do too, is um, I I would love to fulfill my mother's, uh, my mother had a nickname for me when I was a kid. She used to call me professor because I always would correct her on stuff. Yeah. Yeah she was just like okay professor so I was I was determined I said you know someday I'm gonna have been a guest speaker at colleges but I haven't been a you know an actual on staff or an adjunct and so I'm looking to probably do that that's one of my like little job dreams too also to go and be a be an adjunct professor at uh, at a school somewhere and and help to um, uh, form and create and manipulate young minds <laughs>
0: manipulate that's funny (laughs) well before i go on are there any other dreams or goals that you want to add to the list here i
1: I think we're gonna i think we're gonna keep it right there there's there's so many things that that we could say you know i i'm I'm gonna be 65 here shortly and uh and i'm working on my second million um that's not bad that doesn't mean i actually achieved my first million i didn't so I just start, I just started over.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just started from scratch, you know, and, and so <laughs> working on a second, man. That's awesome. I love. That you're welcome. You're welcome to use that joke. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. If there were one or two skills that you would need to develop right now to make these dreams or goals come true, what would those skills be?
1: Wow, um, you know, I would say the most important ones are tolerance mm-hmm. um, I have become intolerant of intolerance. And so when I see people that are acting in a, discri- a discriminatory fashion or are treating other people, poorly or have some sort of, I don't know, just, it drives me nuts. I just, yeah. I just kind of go crazy. And then I go on a rampage. I'm like, ah, I need to calm myself down and become more, more tolerant so that I can analyze and fix things. If I can, rather than getting wrapped up and spun up over the injustice. I mean, I, You do need to have that in order to get fired up and and you you need that, that you need to recognize the injustice and get angry about it and do something about it, but you won't do it if you don't recognize it. Right. Uh, But I say, I would say that uh, I need to temper my own self so that I don't get spun up and I can more carefully focus my attention on the corrective stuff instead of screaming about the injustice in the first place. Because that's what I do. I'm like,
0: what's wrong with these
1: people? I see something happen on the news and I'm like, ah, why are these people so crazy? They all just need to be shot or something. Oh man, you know, yeah. what, what are they thinking when they come up with this idea? Uh, you know, and then I'll calm down and i go, okay, what they really need to do is this, this, and this. But I want to like get rid of that initial flare. Mm. How does that sound? I, I mean, that's, it's a weird way of putting it,
0: but. No, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Why do you think you have the flair?
1: Oh, I guess because I automatically go back to my childhood and, and feel the, the injustice that was, you know, put upon me. I got picked on because I was a little kid. Yeah. Right. But there's always something that somebody wants to pick on, right? Whether it, whether it's your, your color, your size, your age, your, your gender, there's always something somebody seems to find fault with, but let's turn that around. I've realized that when I look at people, I don't look at them and see a difference between us. I look for things that we have in common. Yeah. Chances are we've got something in common with every single person on this planet, right? When we see people, we make a decision about people in five seconds. We'll see somebody on the street and they're walking toward us. And in those five seconds of first looking at that individual, we will decide if we are going to step aside and let them continue on their path, if we're going to stay on our path and make them go around us, or if we're going to cross the street and try to avoid them altogether. And that decision was made in five seconds because we looked at this individual and we saw something about them that was different. But what if we look at these people and find something that is the same? Chances are, maybe that person's wearing the jersey of our favorite sports team. Maybe that person went to the same school. Maybe that person likes the same kind of music. We like the same kind of food. There could be any one of a zillion things that we probably have in common. Just give that person a chance to find out what that common factor is. And next thing you know, everybody's your friend. We don't need to have enemies.
0: Yeah. Then you go give them a hug instead of walking across the street.
1: I've done that. (laughs) i i have freaked some people out i have i have done that (laughs) i'm a big time hugger i really am i really am and it's funny because what what, my 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 neighbor who uh, we just moved to this area we're in york pennsylvania nowadays and we just moved here not too long ago and uh and and my neighbor uh he's not a a, a warm fuzzy huggy kind of guy but uh we were we were chatting one day and it got to you know getting to meet him and stuff. And I just walked over and gave him a hug. And he was like a T-Rex, man. He was just like, I don't know what to do.
0: Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love the uh, the unexpected kindness or unexpected acts of love that will just kind of take somebody off their feet in a pleasant way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I encourage that. As a matter of fact, every month I put out a calendar that is a, uh, is a challenge. Right, so this month is a challenge of re, of uh, of rejuvenation. Um, you know, uh, we have a month of kindness, a month of love, uh, whatever. And and it's just going out there. And every day there's a little note that says, you know, for this day, think about this, or this day, try that, or maybe you know, just uh, pay for the person's coffee behind you in line at the Starbucks. Uh, just random. Um, you know, drop a dollar on the floor. Tell somebody, hey, you know, you dropped a dollar. Yeah. You know, just, just weird stuff like that. Hold the door for people. Oh, imagine that. You know, all of a sudden, be polite. Um, but it's amazing the reaction that you get. So like I said, I publish this calendar every month and and ask people to kind of, you know, follow along and and take the challenge and see how many of those things they can actually accomplish.
0: There we go. I love it. Well, what are the highest impact daily actions that you can take to tick the needle forward towards these dreams and goals?
1: Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, I think there's there's a lot of things that I need to do. Um, I would say, I mean, I definitely want to keep fighting the good fight, right? But in order to do that, I've got to be in in condition to do so, which means I've got to have my own mental calm, my own my own peace, my own torch lit, in and of itself. But I also have to uh, take care of myself on the physical plane i mentioned before that i you know i love food and uh and and i and i worked on it to to lose some weight because i did get you know I, i hit that double x size and i said okay i need to do something about this and i managed to take some weight off and then covid hit and i managed to take keep that weight off for the first two and a half years of covid and then I discovered carbs again. So, <laughs> <laughs> I so, so I tell me, you know, I tell people, I don't lose weight. I just misplace it. I just kind of found it all again. And so I find that I don't have, uh, have the stamina, uh, that I would like to have. So, so getting back, uh, into, into physical shape is, is one of those things that I need to do so that I have the energy to project forward. Mm-hmm. I can't help people if I don't have the energy myself. And so I need to be able to project that energy for other folks. Another thing, too, is I have to make sure that I'm not, I don't have my own, I'm not fighting my own demons and my own limiting beliefs. Uh, I think we we all tend to have our own limiting beliefs in, in our own selves at times. And I try to help people to overcome theirs. And then sometimes I wonder myself, right? I sit there and I go, oh, am I good enough for this? You know, some of that comes from, you know, my dad was a blue collar guy. He was a hardworking man. And, um, and he's, he's the one who actually inspired me because he said that, uh, he said you should learn something new every day because I don't care if you stay in school or not. My father couldn't, he had to go to work when he was a teen because his father passed away. And so, so, so my dad uh, just learned how to do everything. Whatever it was that needed to be done, if you know, you need to get food in the house, so you need to work, right? So if somebody needs a house painted, he learned how to paint a house. Somebody needed something fixed, he learned how to fix it. Somebody needed a car worked on, he learned how to work on cars. Somebody needed a truck driven, he went and got his CDL license so he can go drive trucks. So, you know, dad just did everything, and he said, you know, again, he said, I don't care if you stay in school or not. I prefer if you did. But whether or not you do, you go forward and you learn something every day. Just take the advantage, opportunity to learn something new every day. Don't tell me you don't like it unless you tried it. Same thing with, with, with food, with people. You look at another person, you don't decide whether or not you like that person until you give them a chance. Yeah. And he was always like that. And thus, that's the lesson that I learned from him. So I, I really like to, um, you know, I look at dad and how hard he had to work and because my job is not physical there's a little niggling part in the back of my brain that says dude are you really working cuz dad was working really hard dad was sweating you're sweating because you're standing up in front of a group of 500 people yeah it's very different from sweating and doing real man's work you know and so <laughs> so there's that there's that piece of my brain that sits there and questions you know what I'm doing is this really is this really work or not? And so that's that that one of those little limiting beliefs that kicks me in the in the back every once in a while. I got gotcha. you. So have to come that.
0: The, is this really work? Is this really work? And that comes from your dad having worked so hard.
1: Yeah, but he never tried to make us feel bad about that. It was just something that it was yeah. my own little guilt that I sit there and go, wow, you know. Does this really work? I may have been in a desk job my almost my entire career.
0: So I guess the question is, except
1: for disco dance instructor.
0: Yeah, that was work. (laughs) If he never tried to make you feel bad, at what point in your journey did you interpret it as I now feel bad? Like, when did you start judging yourself and why?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good one. You know, I never thought of it that way. Um, You know, I just wanted to be like dad. Um, I, I, I really idolized him because of his drive and because of the way he felt about people and things, and he was so open to everything. And so I always tried to be like him. And the one thing I wasn't was physical, you know? And so, so, you know, we always try to compare ourselves to the people that we admire most, uh, which is not necessarily a good thing to do, by the way. Uh, I'll just tell you that right away. You should never compare yourself to other people because you don't know what's going on in their life. Um, and, um, and even if you do, you still don't necessarily want to be that other person because you probably, you have many more of your own strengths than you probably realize. But, you know, there's that part of me. I wanted to be like dad, yeah. you know? And, and so, so that's the one thing, you know, I, I am, I am a, a terrible at doing home repairs you know it cost me a fortune in home repairs because you know i i'm really bad at it dad could fix anything yeah my my brother followed in his footsteps my brother was like yeah dad i'll help you with this and you know my brother can fix anything but i'm terrible with a hammer and screwdriver (laughs) yeah i was a terrible athlete too by the way (laughs) i'll tell you i i was on uh I was on the soccer team, so I was official bench warmer. I was absolutely terrible on the field. I was too small for football, way too small for basketball. I was wasn't a good baseball player. Uh, too slow for track. My legs were too short to run at any at any kind of speed. So I wound up on the wrestling team. Mm, yep, uh, and, and I wound up getting I wound up getting a nickname on the wrestling team. I was called the Mighty Mosquito because I was small. I sucked and I mostly got swatted. But I learned ultimately to embrace that nickname because what happened was I found my strength. And here was my strength. And this this was 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 interesting. The the coach looked at me and said, You skinny little, you know, pipsqueak, you need to get in the gym and go work out. I need you pumping iron in there every single day for at least an hour. So, you know, here's little, you know, five foot actually barely barely five foot when i was first on the team you know walking into the into the weight room and there's all the gorillas in there you know pumping iron <laughs> they've got like you know 500 pounds on the you know whatever Yeah, i shouldn't say that because i look at you man and i could see that you work out man i, I yeah know, I, I could tell How was i could that see, guy i guess could, I, could, I, could, I could see your i could see your guns man right so So what am I going to do, right? Little, little skinny guy go, excuse me, it's my turn. Can I please borrow the barbell? Just a bell. I I can't use them. Just give me the stick, right? No, you know, I couldn't, it wasn't anything I was going to do. So I would go and I sit in the corner on the only piece of equipment that nobody bothered with. And that was the leg press. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there for my hour, just pumping my legs on the stupid leg press. while all the other guys are in there, you know, on the bench press and, you know, free lifting and all this other stuff. Mm And. Getting these massive shoulders and arms, I'm just sitting there, my skinny little self, and my legs popped. My legs got huge, so here I am I weighing. Uh, here I am weighing. At the time, less than a hundred pounds it was my freshman year, so I was I was ninety six pounds. Weighed less. I was less than five foot tall, and I am pumping the entire stack of weights on the leg press. Which we're talking the old Universal systems. I know you're not old enough to remember remember those, maybe, but uh, there were two pedals on that. The upper pedal or the lower pedal was you know you had the most fulcrum there, right? So it was 450 pounds. The upper pedals, because the angle was different, was 750 pounds. And here's my skinny little butt pumping 750 pounds. And so I had these massive muscular bulging popeye legs and my upper body looked like olive oil <laughs> I mean you super didn't do any push concave chest stick skinny arms you know I look like somebody Frankenstein together two different people yeah you know which did which which did wonders for uh, getting dates I'll tell you that um <laughs> but but yeah but I but because my legs were so strong I was never pinned because I can always get out from under everybody. Now, my upper body was not strong enough to pin anyone, but I won some matches in points, and I lost matches in points, but I was never pinned. And so my claim to fame, being on the wrestling team in high school, was that I was I was unpinnable. And I, that's why I was the mighty mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> so I found, in, in all of that horrendousness, I found my strength.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just pumping 750 on leg press on the leg press on the leg press that is epic that's so epic
1: and and i took those massive legs of mine and i brought them out to the disco dance floor <laughs> <laughs> and now yeah. now i go i went to the i went to the uh the, the 25 and the 30 and the 35 year high school reunions and uh you know here's all the guys who who used to be the big muscular gorillas and you know, most of them have gone soft now over the years, and and so have I. Um, but you know, while they're hanging around talking sports, I'm on the dance floor with their wives. So who won in the long run, right?
0: <laughs> yep, yep. There we go. That was hilarious. And so,
1: so Timmy, the secret, the secret of all of this, Tim, is to find humor in everything. Yeah. And that's, that's what I strive to do. And that's what I try to help other people do too, because when we can laugh together like this, I mean, you know, we can
0: overcome anything. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Well, we have a couple more questions. We actually have a whole section of the podcast about limiting beliefs. And so you kind of plunged us right into that. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's usually the last section, but we're going to jump into it. When those limiting beliefs start to take over right now, that is the, is this really work mentality and the comparison? What thoughts or actions do you resort to to take back control? One
1: of the things that I have learned to do, and this is gonna sound cheesy, but I have a kudos file. And that's all the thanks that I've gotten from people who who I've helped over the years. And some of those came from people that I did not do something intentional. Like I had a casual conversation with somebody 15 years ago and I got a message on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I wanted to thank you for that, for what you did for me. And I'm like, "Um, I remember we worked together, but I don't recall what I did for you. You had a chat with me. You encouraged me to put in for a job that I don't think I was qualified for yeah. and I've since started this massive career and I'm, you know, making this kind of money and I'm traveling around the world and I'm multi and, and I'm managing, you know, multi-million dollar budgets. And it's all because of 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 the time you spent with me. Yeah. When you talk about you talk about the impact that you have on other people, right? Without even sometimes not even knowing it. So being that, you know, being consciously aware of that. So I kind of go back and when I'm feeling like Maybe I'm not in the right space. Maybe I'm not doing what I what I'm meant to do. Maybe it's not why I was put here. I look at some of those thank yous, uh, and I go, "Okay, yeah, I can do that." And my wife is great about reminding me about that stuff too.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what is yours? So, oh, go for
1: it. I was, was going to say, some sometimes that's all we need to do is just to reflect on those things that were successful, mm-hmm. and then we can kind of come back out of ourselves.
0: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Curious what your favorite belief about yourself is.
1: My favorite belief about myself is that I can bring joy to other people by making them laugh. I really strive hard. I I did stand up comedy, um, I'd love to maybe get back into that again sometime. I, I've done theater, but I enjoyed more, you know, the kind of humorous type of theater rather than, you know, serious Shakespearean plays
0: yep, and that
1: yep. kind of stuff. I, I worked at the Renaissance Festival uh, in Maryland for 20 years, um, you know, just being goofy with people and helping to bring joy to other folks and helping to make them laugh. And I know that if I can make people laugh and I can just lighten the load for, for a little bit, um, that I'm making a difference. And so that is, uh, one of the things that, and sometimes I got to remind myself, but, but it's, I really feel that, uh, that is my strongest, my greatest strength.
0: Yeah. Love it. Well, now we're going to take a step back from limiting okay. beliefs. Ooh, actually we got one more question for you. Oh boy. With the limiting beliefs. If you were to change your limiting belief that is this really work a comparison all of that into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart what would that phrase be Ooh.
1: now you got gonna make me think on that one man yeah <laughs> there are so many things that um i would like to to say I I go back to the lesson I learned from dad, which was learn something new every day. And so that's kind of been my my moniker. Um but I will say that I have a fire and I
0: need to share it. Mm. Love it. I have a fire and I need to share it.
1: I can bring light and warmth to other people.
0: There we go. Awesome. Back to dreams and goals. Goal for beliefs. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dreams and goals come to fruition?
1: Hmm. I would say... What character trait? I should be able to answer something like this pretty easily because I actually work with people to help them find the same thing. But when you're examining yourself, it's that much harder, isn't it?
0: Oh, always. But
1: but I would say that if there was a character trait that I needed to develop or needed to strengthen, um, I would say it is uh, risk-taking. There we go. Uh, yeah, definitely want to. Um, I have always been somewhat conservative in the amount of risk that I take, but at the same time, you know, I, I leap out there, but I don't want to leave my my family impoverished by, you know, taking a leap and trying something that might not work. So I tend to examine things sometimes a little too much before I, I take a chance and and sometimes the opportunity may go away. So here I am encouraging other people leap at the opportunities, and I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, ah, 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 "Do I hit that button or not?" You know. But uh, but I think that's probably uh, one of the things that I work on.
0: Mm. What's the risk that you could take right now that would take your life to the next level, but you're holding back?
1: Well, I still have a day job. With the government, I'm waiting to retire from that, and once I do, that is uh, that will open up my my calendar and my time to be able to devote more towards this this passion of share your fire and getting out there. I have held back on promoting myself too much. I've held back on on on, on reaching out and 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 stepping away from the government job so that I could do that uh, because I want to make sure I've got that foundation uh, from, from the, uh, from the retirement check before I I take the leap. Right. So what, you know, I could have retired a couple of years ago, but, but I I didn't do that. And I stayed with it. Um, well, part of that was because of COVID let's be honest. Um, I was going to retire at 62 and, uh, and go and do the speaking and uh, training thing full time. Well, COVID happened. There were no conferences. There were no staff retreats, all the things that I would normally be working at um kind of went away and it took a while before they started doing things on a virtual platform and so when i saw that happen i definitely kind of reeled back and i said okay the speaking training industry is is kind of flaky and it can be impacted by something as simple as this and so do i want to take that leap and jump out there uh without having a better retirement check Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's that, there's that kind of a risk, uh, risk aversion there, uh, to kind of go out and just do this whole hog. But I look back at something that, uh, something my wife did a number of years ago. She had a very decent, uh, high paying, uh, admin job and she had an opportunity to manage a musician and take him out on the road and, um, she was like, I don't want to be 80 years old and say, I wish I had, right. And miss the opportunity. And so I encouraged her to go and do it. And, uh, and she did. And it was the most amazing, you know, a couple of years of her life, uh, where she was able to actually do that and take this uh, individual, uh, and his band and, and turn them national. And they had, you know, she had a wonderful time. It also developed a wonderful friendship between us and the musician, um, and, uh, and if you want to know, it was Peter Tork from the Monkees.
0: I have no idea who that is.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, so, so the Monkees were a big band in the '60s. Uh, they were a kind of uh, like an alternative to the Beatles. Um, very popular, big who pop band. Who are the Beatles? No, who are the kidding. Beatles? Seriously, dude, I'm hanging up right now. <laughs> don't oh. laugh somebody actually asked us who the heck paul mccartney was wasn't he in a band or something i went are you kidding me oh uh, like this generation but anyway yeah the monkeys started out in the 60s it started out as a tv show and it was kind of like a spoof on the on the beatles um and they you know were were truly wonderful musicians in their own right and uh and so peter tork was one of the original monkeys and uh and then so many years later uh, he started a blues band and my wife uh became uh, the manager of that blues band called shoe suede blues instead of blue suede shoes uh and took that band out on the road and uh, we became wonderful friends with peter and it was would just never would have happened had she not uh decided to to take that risk and and drop the Guaranteed paycheck income. And I'll tell you right now, managing a band is not lucrative. It is not lucrative. Yeah. But but the life experience made it all worthwhile.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So that's so cool. Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever thought about taking something I've been working on is like leaving the job maybe a lot for people, but risking some of the consistent income on something like marketing may work really well and so a lot of times people just need an extra 500 to a thousand dollars a month and to consistently invest that in either developing a skill or getting their brand out there and then it'll start to stack on itself to the point where it's eventually making more than whatever you know w2 yeah. you're in have you, well, ever
1: th- you know, I have to, I have to admit, I've done that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I took a leap a few years ago uh, and signed up for uh, to be a become a John Maxwell uh, trained speaker. There we go. And so, so yeah, I, I made the investment to to get uh, trained and authorized and licensed to actually teach John Maxwell's leadership books. There we go. So, so, so that and I and I figured I can add that to my repertoire of what I teach. I was figuring that I'd read a lot of Maxwell's books. I I used a lot of his methods and a lot of his uh, his theories about leadership and people, and I would quote him in my trainings that I would do. But this enabled me to actually, I can literally take his book, you know, off the shelf. Uh, you know, everyone communicates, few connect. Uh, and, and I can actually teach that book and legitimately, uh, be licensed to do so. So I did take that, take that leap to do it. I also took a leap, uh, more recently, uh, and, uh, and I'm now going to be published in a, in a new book coming out here, uh, in just a couple of weeks. Um, and that was, that was quite a, a leap of faith as well. Uh, but it's a book that's actually endorsed by Tony Robbins and it's called cracking the rich code. Uh, and in it, I have a I have a chapter about uh, our rich lives and how to enrich our lives.
0: Dang, you just know and Tony the, Robbins just, like uh, that. What's that? You just, you just know Tony Robbins like that.
1: <laughs> no, not quite that. It was through connections, but yeah, it yeah. worked out pretty well. Yeah,
0: that is epic. That is epic. Well, awesome. Love that you're taking risks. Love that you're getting after it. If there were one, and I two... took
1: an, I took another risk recently as well, and I decided to start a podcast.
0: There we go. Is it called Share Your Fire?
1: It's not as cool as yours. No, <laughs> it's it's called A Show of Values. And I'm working with a colleague in the UK um, named uh, Annalisa Landa. And she and I uh, get together and talk about uh, how core values, how our values impact our behavior and the things that we do and the chances that we take and how we treat other people. And so uh, our second episode just, uh, just, just went on the air uh, just a few days ago. Love it. Yeah. here so we go. Making moves. We're, we're, we're getting out there, getting out there, taking a chance, right? Get the voice out there.
0: Yeah. I love it. Well, if there were one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step toward your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help you?
1: Well, you know, I mentioned my dad and I would love to say, I'd love to have him back. So, you know, I could continue to learn from him uh and be inspired by him uh so so dad would be one of you know my, my number one choice i recently just lost my mom too and i'd love to have her back as well um but but so i'm not modeling and all that stuff i would say you know there was a performer or you're also probably not going to know <laughs> being young as you are uh but the performer was danny k and danny k was uh just probably the most all around marvelous performer. He was, he can sing, he could dance, he can act and uh, was incredibly, incredibly funny. And so I was all, there's not a Danny Kaye movie that I would watch and not be, you know, hysterical and inspired by his incredible talent. And I saw him interviewed on a, on a, on a talk show once a number of years ago, and I was just so uh, enthralled by his attitude on life and it was just such a refreshing look and and basically talked about the fact that there's so much uh humor to be out there in the world and so much love to be had and shared and so so Danny Kaye was one of the people what was one of the one of the people who inspired me and so did Peter Tork too peter was a you know he was a wonderful a wonderful friend but he also had some wonderful insight into life and people
0: there we go well awesome john that's all we got for you is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off you know
1: um i would say uh my my main message to the world is is give other people a chance Mm -hmm. you know um you have a passion inside of you share that fire with other people um that fire inside is is our motivational torch and that And I call it a torch because it stands for all of those things that we need to keep our fire burning and all the things that other people need to keep their fire burning as well. So if we have these things and we treat other people with these same things, then we all can can thrive together. And those things are trust, opportunity, respect, communication, and humanity. And if we learn to trust each other, give each other opportunity treat each other with respect, openly communicate, and remember that we're all human, uh, then we can learn to get along better. We can stay inspired ourselves. We can keep motivated and we can help them stay
0: motivated as well. There we go. Such a good note to end on. Thank you, John.
1: Hey, thank you, Timmy. I greatly appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Of course. Thanks for coming on. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what John had to say, make sure to check him out. All the links to do so will be down in the show notes. And yeah, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you on the next one. On that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.